Okay. Mitch, Luke, thanks for coming along. Good catch up. You, know, you guys are almost at the end of your classics campaign yep. for 2018. And this sort of might be uh, great to have a chat to you and introduce you to a few of the folks back home in Australia and uh, around the world and uh, get your point of view of um, what you've done and what you've got left, Paris Rebay. Yeah. And for you, Mitch, Skelda Prize. Skelda Prize, yeah, Paris Rebay. And then on to the final classic, the Con Games. Oh, yeah, you're going at Com Games. Awesome. It's actually all preparation for the commies, really. You know, this is just a fantastic build-up for yeah. the commies. So well, Let's just hope you stay safe in the next couple of races, mate. Yeah, a couple of big training days, and then I'll be back in Oz uh, getting into it. Sun and his buns on the Gold Coast. Yeah. <laughs> at least they've got no barbed wire in Paris for a mate, I don't think. Oh, I don't know about that. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't bank on it. There's a lot of farm roads there, so we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I've been watching out more for those cobbles, those nasty ones in Arnhemburg. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Look, guys, just a bit of run back, run through on uh, you know your backgrounds to to the people back home. For not everybody knows uh, in detail about you guys. Um, Mitch, thirty-one years of age, still thirty-one yep. or thirty-two this year. Yeah. Thirty-two this year, yep. right? My research is working. One hundred and eighty centimeters tall, quite tall. Yep. Uh, Seventy-three kilos. We're still about that. No, look, I think I put that up a few years ago. Things have changed. <laughs> I'm racing well at about seventy-five kilo now. Yeah. Um, probably about seventy-six now. Up here with all the, with all the uh, energy intake you're trying to put in. But yeah. um, that's that's where I'm sitting at the moment. Okay, cool. And you've been pro since two thousand six. Yep. It's a while now. That was your first team with Drapak Porsche. That's right. Day. Uh, got you started. And it was great what uh, Michael's doing there and getting you, you blokes over here and racing internationally? Exactly, actually we started first off over here in Belgium doing some Kermises and um, cut our teeth doing that and actually it was really a, a rude awakening really. Mm. Um, I remember coming across doing a race in Melbourne the week before was the Creswick Open. Mm -hmm. Quite a hard handicap, as we all know handicap racing is really tough and I thought, you know what, I'm going pretty good. Came across here and I did Leader, Kermise and uh, another race, Huller and Gurium. And I was like, wow. Wow, bit of a difference. <laughs> this is a bit different. And now I've since found out they are very small races, and you know you just you keep stepping it up. But that was where um, came across with Drapak then, and it seems like I've done a full circle back at Drapak again now. Well, it is. You know, teams in between, Skill Shimano Dutch team, Skill yep. Shimano, which is uh, now the Sunweb team. Exactly. Um, so they've also gone through that growing process, same as Drapak. Uh, then on to Green Edge, yep. which is now the Mitchell and um, Scott team also transform and uh yeah uh, education first drapak canada yeah um, big step up change it, it is and you know from what i understand all the guys who are existing on that team last year they said the team's done a bit of a transformation itself with uh ef education first coming on board and that's it's not only a sponsor they've taken over some of the team and they've really transformed the team into a um a different team so i think it's a beautiful time for me to join the team and mm go in the direction that they're going. You do, from uh, a spectator's point of view, I have to actually feel and see that you guys are riding more collectively. Last year, the, the team would seem to be a little bit uh, too much individuals, so not quite in harmony and sync. So, um, yeah, yeah look, it's been changed. I actually, to be honest, I didn't really notice them too much last year because I was focused on our guys, you know, with yeah. Luke last year. But from this year, um, Working for a guy, Seth Van Mark, who's from this area, he's from Odenard, right in the, the heart of the classics, and a real contender for the win here. 
it, I really feel it lifts everyone and everyone wants to be in that position. I feel we've all bound really well. Yeah. I've, I've really enjoyed working for a, for a Belgian in these races because you feel the passion from the crowd too. Yeah. Oh, good one. Luke, uh, 26? Yep. Just turned or turning? 27 down the Roubaix. Okay. Wow. That could be a good yeah, celebration. Could, well, last year it was my birthday on Roubaix and it oh, wasn't really. Yeah, that's you know, true. I mean, so, yeah. yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 27. It's going to happen one. If it doesn't happen this year, mate, it'll happen one year. Exactly. 187 centimetres tall. Yep. You know, getting up there, one of the tallest blokes in the peloton. Oh, one off. One, one off, off. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yep. It's getting pretty old. 78 kilos, still around that's a classic weight or your tool uh, weight? Roughly, I stay pretty much mostly the same for most of the year. 78, I'm probably about 79 now, but mm-hmm. yeah, 78 most of the year. Okay. Pro since 2010? Yeah, 12. 12? Okay, because it had two years there. Jacob yeah, Skins, under, so Jacob Skins, yeah. under 23 team, but yeah. yeah, yeah okay, so. cool. And then the rest of your career's all been with uh, Greenwich? Yeah. Pretty much since I'm 16, I reckon I've been in this sort of same outfit. <laughs> Thanks to Jerry. Yeah, Jerry's uh, provided a lot of uh, avenues for a lot of young riders. Big time, yeah, yeah. All the way through. Um, nickname, Turbo Derbo, still appropriate? Yeah, if you want to call me that, that's fine. I don't really sort of encourage it. But I don't <laughs> refer to myself as the Turbo Derbo, which is, but uh, yeah, it's still, still there. Yeah. <laughs> Mitch, you got a nickname? No, not really, do I? Docky. Yeah. Docky. <laughs> Just the normal sort of stuff, yeah. Not that I know of. Yeah. Right. Let's talk a little bit about um, Tour of Flanders. Yep. Um, it was a tough day. Uh, I mean, one of the many classics that uh, you've already done this year and uh, just alluded to. How was it for you guys? You know, how are you feeling? You know, we're, we're Tuesday now and a uh, bit of recovery. Like, I mean, Mitchie went down there and spectacular style into the barbed wire fence yeah look i think it it, it was a bit of a spectacular crash and um i i got a lot of people interested in it because i think it got good tv time and it looked you know pretty big but it was actually i've had a lot of crashes this classics yeah four to be exact out of five races you know so i'm going on pretty good but this was probably one of the better ones if i can have one didn't really have any injuries um so to go back to the race it was a really tough race it was really bad weather um for the for the last few years flanders has sort of peaked up and it's been great weather mm-hmm. flanders roubaix been quite hot maybe even 20 degrees and this year was a typical classic started off maybe six degrees and rain probably for the first 150k and that actually took quite a lot out of you um yeah it was hard eh? the break took maybe 80 80 90 kilometers to go exactly and i think that's a lot of people underestimate that especially with roubaix next week they Mm. see from kilometer 100 to the end which is Mm. tough it's the cobbles and the same in flanders i think we went up the quaramont i think eurosport showed kilometer zero this year right so everyone got a bit of a an idea for the whole race exactly and that start is that's what makes the end so so difficult difficult is because 100 kilometers of normal roads left right and by the time you get to the first sector well, one of the first important sectors at 112 kilometres was the Quaramont. It's like, mm. oh, I'm a little bit buggered already. And yeah. then the race starts, yeah. you know? So that's it, the feeling. It is very much two-phase, the, the Tour of Flanders, and because it has that big run in. Sure. It's a 257k race, yep. with the, you know, particularly the last 150 is, is what counts. So the first 100 is 
try and to warm up, but we're at six degrees yeah. in rain. It's not really. And exactly. also the new the new start from Antwerp. Uh, before when we used to start in uh, Bruges, there was big roads. So you used to go out big roads for a long time. So the break would take a while to go, but if you're in the bunch, it wasn't, I guess it would be overly hard. But now we we go all through little towns into San Nicola, Mm. U-Bolt, come back out. There's like all these little towns, which makes it very difficult when you're just even just trying to sit in the bunch. So Mm. it makes a a whole different dynamic. And with the weather too, a lot of people underestimate with the rain how much you know the precautions you're always giving a little bit more room and the braking and acceleration so you know and small bingles you know like sep i don't know if a lot of people knew but our leader he had two crashes that day you know small crashes but at the end of the race that's a taxing thing too Mm. coming back from that crash or even the little injury you get from that Mm. and then they've got to perform and i'm sure a lot of other guys had small crashes as well Well, they showed all of sep's crashes yeah almost where he's trying to get service from the car and he went up in the gutter he almost but he knocked himself off it's just it is so it is hectic some stuff gets overlooked i think yeah yeah, yeah. how was it for you luke uh i was a little disappointing in, in in a way that i um i was actually quite good um felt felt pretty decent and then um i sort of found myself in pretty bad position going to the bottom of the koppenberg probably in the front for maybe 30 30 guys or something like that and then uh i think uh vermont from dimension data crashed in the koppenberg mm-hmm. and then we had to walk yeah and so I had to get off and walk and then I don't know if you've tried it you obviously would have walked up the Coppenberg but yeah, yeah. <laughs> and trying to clip in again after that was pretty impossible so by the time I got clipped in the bunch was the front bunch that I was hoping to be in uh, was long gone and then I chased for 20k or something but that ended up blowing myself up and then I ended up going back through groups after that because uh, I don't reckon I'd eaten anything about 30k because I was trying to get back to the front yeah. but uh so in terms of that, I was pretty disappointed just because with these races, as Mitch said before, you have these certain points of really crucial moments to be in the front. Mm. And that descent now into the new new uh, right-hander into the Quaramont is, is just unbelievable. Yeah, how it dangerous is. I, it is. I was so, going to ask you that yeah. because, I mean, we, first of all, just backtrack back yeah. to the Cottonburg. Just so that people now understand, when you stop on a Cottonburg, it's not just stop and put your foot down. It's slippery as buggery. So if you don't slip over just trying to put your foot down, your foot it's down. amazing. Yeah. But to get started again, because as soon as you guys, you've got the power to put down, but to get the traction on the wet cobblestones when you're 23%. It's really yeah, what is risk, it? 23% you know? is it? Yeah. It's yeah. a big risk. Like I, I saw a guy in front of me. He was, there was a, two ways to go about it. There's the, the panic, quickly run, trying to get back on as quick as possible so you don't lose time. Or there's, you take five, not five minutes, but like you take five seconds just to sort of like, slowly do it then mm-hmm. sometimes it needs to work because this guy was running and he was slipping slipping get up he tried to put his foot in he nutted himself on the <laughs> top tube and uh, okay just one second and what ended up happening we actually all helped each other out one guy when one guy got clipped in the next guy in front of him pushed him there's a couple of us like pushed yeah the guy right in front so yeah. he could like get a bit of momentum going and then so two of us or three of us did that up the, up yeah. the climb which is actually quite good so I think no one really wants to unclip on the Coffinberg, but no. it's like you don't want anyone to unclip in front of you either. No. That's probably where the pushing came from. Yeah. yeah, that's what ended up happening. It was just like I think we were all in line, and then one guy just lost traction, fell down like that, and then pretty much blocked the road. And then whoever was behind was out of the race, which is which is a bit. Well, of a any of those climbs, that's exactly what happens. Coppenberg, Quartermont, Buttersberg, and Tyneberg. Those the steepest climbs that if you have to unclip or someone goes down, that's yeah, that's the split. Exactly. I, I do prefer now what they've done is they've barricaded the Timeberg at all races, mm-hmm. which has made a significant difference. Mm-hmm. Like before, when you used to, yeah, people don't, don't really know this, that they used to just race to the gutter, 
and whoever got in the tiny little bit of gutter, they would be that would be the front, yeah. and the rest would be caught on the cobbles. Yeah. I really think it's making a big difference to how big the front group is now, because especially in Hurlbecker yeah. and E3, because as soon as you race, the, there's no gutter anymore. Yeah. So everyone races, and there's the front groups now. 20 when mm. well, it's more, a lot more even 10. exactly yeah, a lot more even yeah yeah and yeah. the same with the Pudsberg. i mean they've been doing that for some years because yeah. it's so deep in the final but like you say doing timeberg now boonan's the last person to well because boonan's not there yeah, now boonan's like, not uh, there anymore so he doesn't <laughs> doesn't need the gutter so then uh to come back then the run into uh the quarrel the new change there i mean you guys are doing like 80 clicks an hour Coming yeah, in there? Well, it's hard not to think about it. It's just sort of. I've got a 54 front chainring on and 11, and you can't get any more. So you, you're doing <laughs> yeah. 90 plus then? Yeah, you have to be. Like, <laughs> I, I ran out of gears, and you're like, you tr you're trying to move your, your teammate forward, and you're like, I just can't pedal it, yep. whatever it is. So and if you're tucked in on the wheel, you seem to be fine, and then all of a sudden you step out and you just. Straight back. Well, there's a point, this is a, you guys are a great panel for this. There's a point where we've had the new video commissaire. And uh, his job is to, to see anything that, that's, um, you know, rules being broken, whether it is taking sticky bottles or cutting off mm. corners or riding on bike paths. And this instance here is with Luke Rowe. Luke Rowe was coming down, he's trying to move up and he's on the outside, but the crowd was all on the road. Then as soon as you guys got to that last 100 metres or so, everybody breaks, so it all compressed the group. So he either had to run into a rider, run into a spectator, or flick to the right at the last second behind the spectators which then brought him out just before the corner he could regain the circuit mm. again he got kicked out of the race for that and i'm not sure you guys were aware oh, yeah we were aware but i never actually quite saw the footage but i guess when you think about that so i mean the argument what did, is yeah. did he make the right call i mean at that point hitting the rider hitting the spectator or going to the right and get kicked out of the race look i don't want to support him getting kicked out for that reason but i guess what they're trying to promote is you've got to envision there is no bike path. Mm. That's the road and yep. there would be walls there, say. So if that was a situation and the road ended there, he would have to find another another option. He mm. wouldn't be able to go to an imaginary bike path. And I guess that's what they're trying to say is that mm. those bike paths are never to be used. And I'm not to say that I haven't gone on a bike path mm. this classic season. Um, I just, just think if it's not, if it's, if it's to a point of safety, like probably what Roe was trying to do and was to avoid hitting yeah. a spectator or a rider, but it's not an advantageous move. No. So, for example, it wasn't. Yeah. So, but no. if he was up on the bike path, he's gone 30 spots and all of a sudden he's back in the bunch. And then he's but it sounds like he did. Well, well the so, thing is he did. Yeah. So, so then, that's, that, no, no, I'm not saying that's okay. And it was but, a crucial phase. This is the yeah. last time coming in there. And if you weren't to be 10 positions in front or behind, yeah. going into the last time in the Quarimont, that was the difference. One position makes group. a big difference. Yeah. I also think it's very difficult to pinpoint Luke Rowe out of that whole race because in terms of if you saw the rest of the race, I guarantee there was probably 50 more riders that were on yeah, and off but I think it's, and you know what I mean? It's, I think it's the point. Yeah. You know what I mean? They understand mm. that there are points where people coast around and whatever, but this is a point that was so crucial I guess you got to just pick and yeah. choose those points, and yeah, it's tricky. Uh, it is, and I think probably the implementation, implementing uh, this for the first year, the video commissaire. But look, takeaway yeah. is I think for the organisers, put barricades there. Yeah, didn't really like the new run in, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. to go back to that. To go yeah. back to that, I really feel that I'm not nothing to the organisers, but I felt that the old run in was always dangerous. But you had three corners to really wash, wash off the speed. Yeah. You came in, you went right. There's a bit of a long section. And then you went right again, 
and then you were on to the small road. Yeah. And I just think, look, we all came out, I think, apart from, well, your crest wasn't even there. No. Was Everyone came out a bit unscathed, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's really just encouraging a, a, a huge, a huge pile up on that yeah. corner. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Just like to backtrack a little bit, guys, back to 2017, your end of year, you were happy with it. I mean, you know, no major injuries carrying them over into the uh, into the uh, off season. Uh, Luke, you stayed with Mitchell and Scott, of course. Uh, Mitch, you you've changed camp, yep. so it was you know for you it's probably a lot more new things and settling in period that you needed. Yeah. How did that go for you guys in as a whole? Um, mine was very good. You know, like it was I was ready for a change, ready for something new. Um, after six years with the team, you start to get in your routine and things roll on. And the change was more refreshing than I could have even imagined. You know, okay. even small things like getting a new bike and setting that up, and those small things became exciting again. And um, I came into this season with a with a, a new motivation um, and just excited to work with new guys. Like I said before, with the classics and. A different goal and the same the same old races but with a different energy so mm. i've really enjoyed this year um i finished last year really well but i'm enjoying the new the new phase too oh awesome for me i Luke? was um probably back in the back end of the season i broke my ankle at tour de france mm-hmm. and then so it was a really long period of comeback to get ready for the world championships for the um, road race and the team style trial so mine was like a really kind of a get back to peak fitness before mm-hmm. my off season started yeah. um which was which was really good it was really hard that period to get back to fitness and i worked really hard and i got, sort of finished my season at quite a good level mm. um because i worked really hard i needed to of britain the worlds and then my season finished so mm. um i had a really good off season in uh in perth mm-hmm. and then started building up again and then yeah things were a little bit pear-shaped at the nationals um i was in good shape going to the Nationals and then I, I crashed and yeah. uh, broke my collarbone here and back of my uh, spinous process C7 on my neck. Um, so then I was kind of back to rebuild phase again, which is not easy and Mitch can back me up here and so can you, you know, mm. rebuild. If you've had a rebuild recently just before and then you have another one in quick succession, yeah. it can be quite difficult. It's kind of like I'm back to square zero here. So. Mm. That was that physically, was difficult. Physically and mentally, I think. The mental more, impact. More mentally, yeah. yeah. Like physically, you can sort of, you know, you can deal with a broken collarbone, and this one wasn't so bad. You know, you were just like, okay, it's a broken collarbone. But purely because I'd been on the couch, you know, for all of July, getting my ankle ready to mm. get back, and I'm still got ongoing rehab stuff with this, yeah. and you got ongoing stuff with this, and it's sort of just a bit of a snowball effect. But I think the only thing that really kept me focused for this next period was was this period. Mm. Uh, this is my favourite period of the year, and I think seeing that I had crashed in January, it was actually still well and truly enough time to get back to to, to, to fitness for this, and I think that really kept me striving forward to, to be here. So and now we arrived, and look, I mean, in terms of results of the classic season for me so far it hasn't gone like last year, um, but we spoke about this before. It's it's not really sometimes classic races can be like that. You know, mm. I've had a bit of bad luck, caught behind a few crashes. I don't think the, the legs are not there. It just seems to be my uh, luck has not really been the flow this year yet. Yeah. So that's uh, sort of how it sort of ended yeah. up for me. Yeah, and it's hard isn't it? because you guys, and we're going to get to that, are what you see yourselves as classic specialists. But if you don't 
you know, able to kick goals from, you know, Strata Bianchi through to here. Well, actually, from first one-day race, Cadell Evans Grosvenor Road race, then straight over here to the uh, Newsblood. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you both rode that or not. Yep, yep, yep. Um, then Strata Bianchi just yep. the week after, and then on to Milan San Remo. I mean, it's a t pretty intense period for you guys, you know, so um, then carrying injuries or, re you know, trying to recover. and It's sort of once you... It's like a bit of a snowball effect, you know. I think one time you you make a, a right breakaway or a right move, and then you've got this seem to seem to carry this energy of a bit of untouchable, and you've seen it with the mm. classics with the guys that are rolling with Nikki, for example. You know, Nikki things Terpstra, that just seem yeah. to be Nikki Terstra seems to be just rolling really, really well. And one maybe you know, following you, he might be caught behind every crash and puncture four times, mm. and you never see him. But he never his form was still the same. Mm. But uh, there was sort of something that was going on there, you know. Well, yeah, Narsens okay. has been a bit of a victim of that, and uh, your team team leader, yeah. Mark, has also haven't had his fair share of luck. So that's no. right. And in those moments, it's like you got to just try and move past it. Like myself, even like, okay, I've had four crashes, but you go, you know, what's the positive? I haven't actually crashed out of the classics. I'm mm. still able to go on to the next one. Mm. Great. They haven't been great races, mm. but you go, cool. That's fine. I haven't broken anything. Let's move on to the next one. Close and you got it. Close it on. It's, it is tough to do though because they they can be defeating these classics and it seems strange. People go, it's only, let's say from the time we come up to Belgium, it's only five, six races, but it feels like a grand tour. It really mm. does. Elaborate a little bit on that, guys. Um, these races, you know, we, we've got Milan, well, Strada Bianchi, uh, Newsblood in, in the end of, uh, end of February. Uh, then we've got, uh, in, the, in the month of February, we've got Strata Bianchi, which has become fast, uh, becoming a, a big race. Uh, then we go on to one of the monuments, it's Milan San Remo. Um, both these other races, and you know, we'll start off with the Cadell Evans Classic, it's uh, 165. We go to uh, Newsblood, it's 200. Strata Bianchi is 200. Then we go to Milan San Remo, monument race, bang, 300 kilometers. Uh, and then we kick into, into the next ones, you know, where we've got... Uh, E3 prize, uh, it's 200. Again, Wevelgem, uh, 250. Uh, we've got uh, Wadigam in the middle of the week, 180. Tour of Flanders, 257. Um, and we've got Paris Roubaix, 251. Um, you know, we've yes. got Skelter Prize also in the middle, which is another 200. Yeah. And then they flick across to the out ends races, you know, like um, Nibali and, and uh, Valverde. And they're doing again 260s uh, over there for Liege Bastogne Liege and Amstel. So, it is very demanding, and you, you say about this, and you, it's the, also the weather. How does that work on you guys, both mentally, physically, uh, to keep yourselves going and, and dealing with crashes, and then so okay, resetting and going to the next one? I mean, it's, it's tough work for you blokes. I think probably a real key, and aside from starting back at Cadell's through opening weekend, and then you know, we have a, a break there with Torino or Paranese, but once Luke and I come up either before San Remo or just after San Remo, something we've clued into sort of five, six years ago was that point. How mm. do we keep ourselves fresh? Mm. And a lot of the teams that aren't, who aren't based up here, they, they con conjugate at a hotel. Mm -hmm. They get everyone in and you know, they do their treatment there and everything. And we realized that, you know what? We've got to keep things a little bit more like our normal life. Mm -hmm. Come in, do our races, switch on, 100% for that 48 hours. As soon as the race is finished, get out, go back to our families and try and be normal for a day or so and yeah. just forget about the racing, bang, get back into the hotel. Um, it seems simple and 
some people might think, you know, three weeks, why can't you just switch on for that time? But if you want that intense energy for mm-hmm. that six hours of the race, plus the 24 hours leading up beforehand, really focus on every climb, mm-hmm. you need to be on and off. That's the way I found, and Luke also agreed. Yeah, I agree, yeah. So what we ended up doing over these last few years is going, you know what, let's get a little house close by to the hotel, mm-hmm. get our wives up here, and I've got my son up here now too. Mm-hmm. And that's how we've been able to juggle it. Oh, um, wow. It's worked fantastically the last five years, and. You know, I always joke about it, even doing simple things like coming home and doing your own washing, doing your own dishes. Yeah, yeah. cooking your own food. Brings a bit of normality into life rather than being at the hotel sounds fantastic, getting your buffet dinner and whatever. But after sort of two, three weeks... The walls start closing in. The walls start closing <laughs> in. That's right. And you yeah. can only talk so much cycling with the guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you come home and your wife brings reality in pretty quick when you're talking to her about the race and she's like... Uh, anyway, you're like, great, <laughs> that's what I need to hear. We've done that yeah. so many times. Like, okay, that's probably enough cycling now. Me and Mitch get it, we stay together and we get them down cycling talk and girls are kind of like, all right. Anyway. Uh, anyway, let's go back to normal. Things, sort of and like, that's exactly what you need. Yeah. Well, that's what we need anyway. Yeah. Um, and that's something I think, especially for me this year, crushing out of these races, you don't get that euphoric feeling of, crossing that line no matter what you did that day crossing the line at the end of a race is, is a great feeling mm. it's like day done you know i didn't do this right i did this right whatever you can feel a sense of achievement you crash out of a race you ride in the car you're like a bit Deflated. jesus you know yeah. what's going on and if i think for me anyway if i went back to the hotel and debriefed it and it rolled on you start to go down this downward spiral because once I'll, you don't finish one and then it just becomes a bit of a a snowball effect exactly. going out like this but so you guys have got it worked out and, and I know exactly what you're, you're going through I was lived here so I lived all in around mm. the other part of Strat and uh, not far from Gerardsberg and, and Udenard but for you guys as Australians coming over but actual team not being based here or not being a Belgium team uh, you, you just alluded to, uh, a bit earlier to you know working with, with SEP it sort of brings another element into it but yeah. coming and living here mm. particularly living in Ghent um, you're pretty much surrounded and in, 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 you know, immersing yourself in the classics and the, and the culture. And that brings me to something. How do you find it, guys? I mean, because my wife is Flemish, but you know, your wives are Australian. Um, you've got a young boy as well. The culture and, and them making that journey by having your wives coming up from where you normally live in Girona and in Spain to yeah. here, how does that work for them? And I definitely think that like uh, my my wife personally has become much more of a cycling fan since like not saying she wasn't against cycling but yeah. she's become much more of a cycling fan coming up and experiencing the classics. So she does goes on all the tours, um, mm-hmm. gets on, picks her up, shows takes her onto all the climbs and yeah. checks it all out. And you know it's three degrees and raining, but they're on the side of the road and and it's kind of like that real. You just don't. I think it's like for us the only way you can put it to Australians it's like grand final weekend for a month. Mm. So grand final, AFL grand final weekend, everyone's getting that little buzz around Melbourne City before the AFL grand final. It's kind of like that, but for mm. a month, you know, and, and I feel like, that for, for example, like for a Belgium rider, you are playing in the AFL grand final, which is the pinnacle for an Australian, you know, your parents come over and it's just this huge environment. So for us as Australians, we don't quite, I guess, understand it because we're kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's like, big deal but then now as we come here and we live here we really actually understand like the butcher sees you in the kit like hey 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 Luke good luck on the weekend eh and you're like oh thanks man just grab the meat it's like walk out like is he obviously watching the race where 
everyone's watching the race. The Ronda Lombarder and everyone is watching that race. That's a good example. I was just riding here this morning and a guy riding to work on his town bike just pulls up next to me and I'm trying to look for this address. He goes, hey, Mitch, how are you? And I was like, looks across. I was like, I don't know this guy. He's like, how's it, how's it from yesterday? You pull up uh, from Sunday. Did you pull up okay from the crash? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, actually, like just some guy, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like you said, you, you're... People are watching the race, like anyone, you know, yeah. so... And as Australians, I think we start at a little like a, to be able to get to, for example, at the classics level, like we start at a lower, uh, not lower, but it's, it's a higher, it's a, we don't know the roads. Yep. We don't know you the are culture. Dis- you are a disadvantage. We're a disadvantage, yeah, yeah that's definitely what I mean. So when we came over here, I followed suit with Mitch. When we did come over here, we really had to go, all right, how are we going to put ourselves at an advantage. Mm. And I think only by doing what we did, and look, it hasn't always been easy to find places to rent cars, to do recons. I mean, first recon we did was normal tires and a pump and a, and a road map. We definitely know there's a roundabout <coughs> at the bottom of the Vulcanberg anyway. But <laughs> rode past about 15 times, trying to find it. But then from there, now you just, you, you, it's, it's no hassle anymore. No. You know where you are, yeah. what you need to do. It's everything just sort of seems to flow a lot easier, which helps, in, which snowballs into the races so it's been a big investment for you guys like in time and effort and energy and, and also from your families your wives and uh, mm. uh, i think yeah. look i think it's about the racing but it's also about your life too like mm. if i'm up here too this is a big part of my life you know this is my 10th season up here and it's a big chunk of my life and i want to enjoy it too mm. you know so having them up here is something i really want to enjoy and Forever in the future, we're going to remember our time every year, a month in Belgium. And that's a beautiful part of it, the racing side, but also the time off the bike. Mm. And that's, for me, is just as important as racing well, is having fun here too and enjoying life. So you're enjoying the restaurants and bars and coffee yeah, shops here? Yeah, like pre- probably a bit more so years before. This yeah. year's been a bit more... Little, with little man, we've been cooking a lot more. Exactly. With, okay. with the little guy, you can't do so much, but it's a different dynamic and it's been fantastic too. Yeah. So How old is he, your son? Just one. Just uh, one, 12 months, uh, 14 months. 14 months. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And Luke, you're looking at expanding? Or <laughs> no, starting a family? No, no. no. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting married in October this year. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we'll just... Stick with that first. <laughs> One step at a time. Just last thing of all, guys, it's been great. Um, all the classics, you know, how does the Cadell Evans Croatian Road Race fit in with your preparation to come in to start the first race of the European block, which is Het Newsblood, the last weekend of February? Well, I think I always use, I think it's always a good, um, probably a good classic to start with in terms of it's 160, so it's always raced from pretty much start to finish pretty mm-hmm. hard. Um, and then also coming off to it and under normally, you've had this one week of stage race, which is your first stage race of the year, um, and you get this nice load from two and under, and then you have a bit of a rest, and then you can really hit hard with one really hard classic style mm-hmm. race before you come over to to Belgium and hit the real uh, the big ones. So uh, I feel that Cadell Cadell Evans race has been like I've always loved to 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 race it, and also I think coming out of down under, you always arrive at Cadell's with this like really good form and mm. um, I think it's been it's just a cool race mm. yeah exactly what Luke said and it's just it's just a good gauge mm-hmm. you know it's, it's very early so you're not expecting to set the world on fire but you get a chance to test yourself on the final back climb there or the final three back climbs and you're just like whew okay a bit of work to do or yeah, true, you yeah. know what 
I'm not far off. That mm. was a good test. Mm. Um, and then I think for me, it's, it's a race where I'm either just there or I just don't make it. And that's what I like about it for mm. me. It's climbs are just too hard or just on there. And that's, mm. it's a really good gauge. It's a good goal mm. um, to test what's going to happen that classic season. And it is that approach because you've got riders who that is a major goal. Those first couple of races, uh, like we've seen with Viviani, mm. um, had a really good race there. Uh, McCarthy as well, he, he wanted to do well. Um, and then we look at the women as well, like Chloe Hoskins, she told her team back in uh, November, she said, Cadell Evans Grossman Road Race, I want to win that. Mm. And the team, team uh, director said to me, he says, I thought, Chloe, you're never going to get over that climb, but you know, that's the determination. But it is a good indicator. And then going into uh, Newsblood and... Um, We've seen this year, there was a bit of a change in the course and not all the big favourites were there. It was a bit mm. of a swip around, swap around. Mm. I think but it does it's a, suit an Ardennes rider, uh, sort of cut you off there, but I mean, mm. in terms of, I know with McCarthy and Impey, um, their focus is for Ardennes, yeah. the Ardennes Classics. So what they do is they really peak really hard for January, as you saw their condition in January, was pretty mm. impressive. But also put Impey in World Tour number one yeah. for a long time because of the points he got from Tour Down Under and also from Cadell's Ocean Race. But after that, then they have a bit of a, a bit of a break, mm-hmm. probably during the Flemish Classics, yeah. and then they rebuild to come up to the. Well, they change programs. They go to Catalonia yeah. and pays bus. They change yeah. it up a little bit. So yeah. I really feel that like the Cadell Evan Road Race, also with how the climbs are, is probably a little bit more suited for like an Art Ends rider. Mm than Classic maybe rider. Flemish Classic Rider, just because of the style of where it sits in the program, but also where where you are condition-wise, you know? Yeah. Maybe we should talk to Approach Geelong and put in a section of cobbles there somewhere and just to <laughs> sure. spice it up and get you guys. I think you get yeah. enough, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you get enough when you get here. Yeah. So, Rider, guys, that's about time. Um, thanks very much for, for being here this morning. Great to catch up. Um, Mitch, good luck tomorrow. Skelter Prize. Thank you. I know it's a new course change and you've never done it before, so it's all new things for you. Exactly. Um, but uh, good luck tomorrow. And uh, Luke... You both be joining each other for Paris Bay, so sure will. The last big hit out before the big, uh, big one, Com Games. Mate. <laughs> exactly, the big one. Fine. You're not doing Com Games? No, no, no I didn't make gold. the cut. Amsterdam. <laughs> Lucky buddy. Amsterdam. Gold. Yeah. Gold. Mate, good Thank luck. Thank you very much, mate. Lovely to Thanks see you again, and uh, yeah, talk soon. Great. Thanks, Luke.